Hi everybody, today we have another episode of the series Investing in 25, the series that I started when I turned 25 last year. In this series, we're just going to be talking to different startup founders, industry experts about their journeys, the mindset shifts that they've had from their 20s to the 30s, and of course beyond. Let's start to dive straight into a new journey today. Hi everybody, today we have David. Uh, he is the brand director for Printify. He's worked at companies like uh, Travel Perk, Prezi. He's also had a TED Talk. Uh, what options did you have? Uh, any advice that you have for people in their 20s, uh, you know, who want to start off, let's say, in the marketing or the brand space, don't know where to start off? Um, so yeah, feel free to, you know, share more about that. Well, thank you first for for asking me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. All that formalities, but like really, I I, I mean them. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to talk. And uh before this call, you told me not to be too self-deprecating, but I, I can't help but just be a little bit of like, I hope that I can help in, in some way, but I really do encourage the find your own path kind of mentality. And I think that's really what you're, you're getting at. So please, please, big disclaimer that I've made lots of mistakes uh, along the way. And, but sometimes the mistakes are really valuable, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think anybody wants to make mistakes. It's not like you go, hello, can I make a mistake, please? So I can learn, but, but you know, there is a value to them. And I, I would, yeah, let's, let's start there. I would say that if I think about like, one of the things I do quite well is <laughs> I'm quite good at bouncing back from a mistake. Like, I don't know if I would, like, I'm really bad. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be really bad at telling you what anything about, like, what I was like in my 20s. Like, sure. I feel quite disconnected from my 20s version of myself. Mm -hmm. Like, it could be because I spent far too long enjoying myself in my 20s. <laughs> and I just, I'm, I'm having to think quite hard about that. But I have more recently worked with or managed, or like, that's such a horrible word, managed, like been in a team leading people who have been in their 20s. Mm -hmm. And this is going to immediately sound so old manny, but <laughs> I see quite, quite, a, I, I feel like I've seen quite a lot of, there's a lack of willingness to be vulnerable. And I mean, I mean, vulnerable in the sense of oh, try and say this without without resorting to a cliche. But in order to in order to like progress, succeed, evolve, any of whatever words you want to use for it, you do have to do stuff, right? Like you you, you have to do something. And there's whenever you do something, there's always a risk that it won't work, mm -hmm. right? That it'll go wrong. That like people will look at your idea and go, well, that's a stupid idea. Or like even what can be can be worse sometimes is like you put in the work, you do the commitment and for things out of your control, mm -hmm. like it doesn't it doesn't happen, right? Yeah. And I think that I, I see people in their 20s who kind of see that coming, right? Like mm -hmm. they, they, sit, they sit there at the beginning of their journey and go, well, I could do that and I have that might happen and that happened and mm -hmm. uh, what are the chances of that and look there's my friend over there and she did it and it's not working and um so i think i would really really encourage people just just do like really just do like don't think too hard about what could go wrong try and think about like how you can make it go right what how you can make it better can you do this like whatever the thing or project or thing you want to do do it and like even if it doesn't get to where you want it to get to you would at least learn something by doing it that you can apply to it and do something later whereas if you sit around and like worry about doing it and not ever do it you don't learn anything mm -hmm. right and in fact you probably yeah. just turn up your anxiety a whole bunch mm -hmm. and like honestly the people around you will get frustrated i have nothing worse than someone who's talking about doing stuff and doesn't do stuff right mm -hmm. like, just just do so like yeah. you know i've started 
I knew I would ramble when you started <laughs> asking me questions, but I've started rambling already. But that's that's, okay. that's ramble okay. number one. But yeah, David, would you want to maybe talk about the role that you have in your current company, uh, what Printify does, and uh, also what skill set have you sort of uh, do you need in your current role? And then we can go more into the depth of how did you even build that skill set? Absolutely, we can do that. So I'm brand director at Printify. So Printify is a print-on-demand company. If you don't know what that is, we basically have a catalog of more than 700 different products that we allow you to put your uh, design on. So the, the easiest, the most common way to do this is t-shirts, right? Or sweatshirts, mm -hmm. like you've got a cool design. You are like, I want to put that on a t-shirt. Uh, we allow you to do that. And then the really cool thing about what we do is we're integrated with some really popular sales channels, Etsy, Shopify, Squarespace, WooCommerce, all of those. And you can instantly start selling your designs online via those channels. We will source the item. So source the t-shirt. We will print on the t-shirt. We will package it and we will deliver it to the customer who's bought it off of your website without mm -hmm. you having to do a thing, right? All you have to do is put the design up, Mm -hmm. list it on a website and we take care of the rest everything is made on demand so you don't have to do any upfront investment you pay us with the money that you get from the the customer who's agreed to to, to buy your thing mm -hmm. so like it means that you can start an online business from scratch from your bedroom without any upfront investment all you need is you don't even really need design skills you can source your designs from other places a lot of our merchants do um and you need a little bit of an entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirit the reason i love working for, for printify which i've been doing for i started at the beginning of this uh, year 2022 mm -hmm. and the thing is, we do create those those entrepreneurs. I, I could spend the whole of the remaining 20 minutes or so that I've got yeah. talking to you about these amazing people. But mm -hmm. there is one in particular I just like to, to point out. Her name is April Showers. Uh, she's a single mom of uh, two boys uh, from California. Uh, and she uh, noticed one day that unicorns were all white. Mm -hmm. right like all of the the unicorn emoji is white, and she was like why are there no black unicorns i'm gonna make a black unicorn so she made mm -hmm. a black unicorn she patented her design she'd never done apparel or anything like this before mm -hmm. she created she created that design and then with the help of printify she stuck it on some t-shirts and sweatshirts and things like that started selling it young black girls obviously loved it they were like mm -hmm. she called it afro unicorn oh, wow. uh, uh a really really cute kid Mm -hmm. uh, put it on a t-shirt that kid was on a tiktok uh, it's you might have even seen it where um someone walks by and says to this gorgeous adorable little girl like i love you i love your t-shirt and she goes it's a black unicorn and like everybody like la laughs yeah. out loud long story short april was on cbs news yesterday mm -hmm. morning because she's now selling in walmart wow. right like in physically in walmart the first black woman to um, copyright a cartoon design and she's selling at 3,800 stores across America like and I've got Amazing. 20 stories I could tell you that like that off of the top of my off of my head I only doing April because she was on CBS yesterday so it's like fresh in my mind so mm -hmm. that's what we do what's my skill set that I need in my job so I'm actually the first brand person to work at Printify yep. so my I came I think my most important thing is communication, right? And I would broadly divide my communication skills into two halves. Oh, yeah, one is kind of the, the written or word-based half, which mm -hmm. includes 
things like you know writing grammar punctuation on the nitty-gritty side but then also storytelling which is such a buzzword and honestly I personally think is like this overinflated thing that everybody should just be half decent at we can get into that a bit later but yeah, yeah story storytelling uh is a thing and then there's also visual communication which I didn't train in but I've always been interested in and like uh, passionate about that's what my TED talk uh, was about about how everyone needs to be more visually literate yeah uh, I actually really wanted to know more about that as well yeah it's I mean for me that was just born out of the fact that like we don't teach people how to be visually literate but then we're bombarded with advertisements all the time right mm-hmm. like this this is not even a contentious thing for me to say but there were people who were extremely visually literate who have affected the direction of elections, the Trump campaign in 2016, the Brexit campaign, even uh, beyond that, um, the places like um, outside of the UK and America, uh, where the course of elections has been changed by people running advertising campaigns, chiefly on Facebook, but on other platforms as uh, as well. And they've been able to do it by being extremely visually literate. Mm -hmm. Netflix doesn't control, Netflix can affect what you see right like netflix can affect which drama you'll spend more time on based purely off of the thumbnail they have a team that works on this and does nothing but this you as a woman Mm -hmm. statistically are more likely to watch dramas with um like from what i remember is uh you prefer to see an eclectic cast or like two or three people for a drama i as a man am more likely to spend time on that drama if there's one man in the shot mm-hmm. with like a, like a grimace on his face then like statistically i'm gonna be like oh yeah give me that right but like right. it's like and netflix publish and share all of this information you can read it on on their um interesting. So either on their engineering blog or on their product blog but they like they share all of this they can and it, it depends on your gender your age mm-hmm. your location obviously your other preferences but that and they do all this with visuals right not words like you you look through the thumbnails on your netflix account there's like next to no words and if there are come on do you read them no one does right like the name of the show and that and that's it and i just wanted uh, i got the opportunity to give uh, the ted talk so the opportunity to give the talk came first and then like okay what am i going to do with this platform mm-hmm. and it's just something i was seeing every day that people like we're so affected by it but we don't do anything about it. Like we don't, we don't try like, why is this image affecting me more than this one? Why am I crying when I watch these two people do this in a video versus like this? Like, and I just want, I don't know if we can, you know, change the world. I just want people to be aware of it, right? Like, because we're taught. It also depends on being conscious about it, right? Because sometimes most of the time actually we're subconsciously affected by what we see or what we read or, you know, things like that. So yeah, but yes. you can go back and also like explain this term uh, that you've coined, you know, like visually literate. What exactly does that mean? There's, there's a few places that uh, right. that are using it. Most imp- the, the kind of most prominent one is the University uh, of Tulsa, which is uh, this place in the middle of nowhere or the middle of America, in the middle yeah. of nowhere, in the middle of America. <laughs> but it's about being able, like it is what it sounds like, it's being able mm-hmm. to read an image right look at it and go how is the composition of this image the subject matter of the image the angle at which the face is shown the light the filter whatever like 
well, I'm trying to remember the statistic from, from the talk because, sorry, it was a few years since, since I've given it. But we spend an incredible amount of hours a year getting ready to take selfies, like not even taking selfies, but preparing our faces to yeah. take to take selfies. So if we're doing that, right, you and I are doing that. We're, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we're preparing a visual. Why not, when you get a visual shown to you, stop and think, okay, how are they showing this to me? Oh, they're, mm, okay. This person who's made this visual is trying to uh, get this emotion out of me because, mm -hmm. and I think that's a reasonable thing to ask people to do because we do train ourselves to do that with words, right? Like it's in schools, we were all taught, like I did history in school and you're taught like this source is coming from here. What is this source's likely bias? What other mm -hmm. things is this source written about? What can we tell? Is this source trustworthy? We do that with words. Why can't we do it with visuals as well? It's, I think That's it's kind really of essential for really, really good, good decisions. Point. Yep. But then how do you bring that aspect in your daily job? Because again, you know, you're the one creating content, let's say for the brands that you work for, uh, whether it's by words or visual. So how do you bring that aspect in your, uh, the content that you create or direct for the brands? that? You well, work I think, for? I think anyone working in, in marketing, I don't even want to say digital marketing, anyone working, working in marketing now, the tools that you have to hand are primarily visual now right like if you're running ads if you're if you've got a website like everyone's doing those things mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. like you've got seo which is which is obviously and content which is kind of like the last bastion of the written word probably mm -hmm. i've just made that up off the top of my head but it sounded cool um <laughs> but but like a lot a lot a lot of what you do is visual right and the tools that, okay. and, and like we've all sat in those meetings where someone it goes facebook tells us that like if your posts have a visual in them they're 180 percent like so as a marketer i'm using visuals all day like a good portion of my day is sat doing editorial and i'm doing visual editorial as much as i'm doing written editorial right like i'm sitting there and going this picture that you've chosen here does not represent our user like mm -hmm. this is this is this is not going to appeal to this group of people right. um like you know, I'm honestly, I'm not a trained designer, so I can't sit there and go, the drop shadow that you've put on this element is too harsh. Like, <laughs> but you know what? For non-designers out there who have to give feedback to designers, they don't want you to do that. Like designers don't want you to get that technical with mm -hmm. them. They'll go speak to another designer to get like technical yep. mentorship. But one of the, and I think this is a, a thing that, an, uh, that I've learned and acquired as a skill is how to give good feedback to, to visually creative people. Mm -hmm. But like is to tell them, look, this is not speaking to the person it's supposed to speak to in the way that these reasons, like because of this reason, that reason. And then I always refrain from, if you could just move it to the left a little bit and perhaps change the color to green, then I think it. I I don't want to do that. Like that's for a designer to yep. do yep. And, to, and to work out to, how to do it. Right. At the same time, I don't want to like terribly vague feedback for a designer is awful. Right. If you're, if you're saying things like it doesn't wow me, like, Oh my God, how annoying is that? Like it just yeah. doesn't wow me. Like <laughs> True. Go, go somewhere else for your wowing. Like, um, so so you have to, you have to like, part, a big part of my job is kind yeah. of laying down what our communication guidelines are. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I've done in all of my jobs is, is go research the person that we're sp speaking to. So for me, it's the, it's the, at the moment, it's the merchants. 
But at Prezi, it was the presenters at Travel Perk. It was the, the travelers and the people who manage travel programs. And just like learn as much as you can about those people. Even now, I never turn down the opportunity to listen in or go to a call with one of those people if I can, if I can help it. Because you're then building communication that has to um, affect them, catch their attention, persuade them you have to be inside their mindset know how they think know what they what they like etc get to get to know that person then once you do that lay out the the guidelines of how we communicate to that person so to give you an example at printify we worked out that our typical merchant is between 25 to 35 they're both male and female but they're aspirational people they're determined people they're they're people with the learning mindset, they're self-starters, that's that's who, who our people are. So how do we speak to them? And we actually had uh, one of our fantastic copywriters, she actually did something called uh, conversation mining. Wow. So what she did, what she did is she went to mm -hmm. Facebook groups, Quora threads, Reddit threads, oh, wow. um, went to communities and other things, and mm -hmm. just like listened in and downloaded all of the the stuff she put it into a massive great big spreadsheet and then churned back out for us as as, as writers as a team these are the phrases they use right and so like for example she was able to say they use like a lot like mm -hmm. like this is good like like uh -huh. like this yeah. they they speak in we were able to work out that they speak in hyperbole quite a bit right like if something's great it's absolutely amazing and if mm -hmm. something's terrible it's shitty and awful right they're they're not like your kind of standard European person who will be oh, like a British person, right? We're so bad at this. Like we say things like, it's yeah, it's it's not it's not bad. And and sometimes that means it's horrendous. And sometimes like not bad can be like the best ever thing. It's so sure. difficult to deal with us. But yeah. guideline in place, we know how to speak to that person. And then I'm just enforcing that a lot of the time. But because I've spoken to my team about this is the person this is what appeals to them this is what they like this is how we communicate with them then when i give feedback whether it be to a copywriter or to a designer or to whoever i can go i don't like it because i don't think the user will like it not because it's a personal choice for me or whatever but having spoken to them knowing them agreed on you with what the rules should be i think this isn't going to work and you know what nine times out of ten like people will go yeah, you probably like they hate me for it sometimes because they have to redo it. But like, yeah, he's right on that. Or another wonderful, joyous thing happens is they turn back around to me and go, no, I think they will like it for this reason. Mm -hmm. And then I love it when that happens. Can I go, OK, so you've connected with this user. I like it. Now let's, you know, explore whether or not you're right. And we can wow. we can go from there. I really want to talk about um, first about your public speaking skills and how did you build them? Um, and also if any advice for people who want to get started in the branding marketing space um, in general? Branding, let's do the branding marketing space question first, because just because sure. it's kind of like top of my, yep. like if you want to get started in that, then what you need to, to do is get yourself into a marketing team. Like I'm talking like really, really, really start to get yourself mm -hmm. into, into a marketing team. Uh, and Dave Gerhardt gives lots of great advice for people just getting into marketing. But one of the things that he says is like, make yourself useful. Right. Like, so just get yourself onto a marketing team as an intern or whatever it may be and do a little bit of everything. Right. Um, and then once you've like kind of built up that trust with, a, with, you know, whoever it is, is leading the team, what you need to get them to do is allow you to lead one project, one campaign, one or take ownership over one thing. Like I know 
just Twitter or or like we have someone who's working on our team at the moment, like and she's quite junior and she's doing TikTok and like she like I want to do TikTok. I'm like I'm gonna take it and we were like fine we don't have resources to do it if you're going to do it let's go do it but like and then she's doing a kick-ass job we had our first video yesterday that got over ten thousand views so oh, wow, but like but what she's doing is taking ownership of that yep. thing yeah and then and then what you get to do when you do one campaign like that is you get to see the whole process right from mm -hmm. creative to delivery to measurement and all of that then once you know you can you can go repeat that somewhere else right you can go repeat that on a channel that you perhaps don't have such an affinity for and you can do it from there so that would be my advice to kind of junior people looking to get into a, like a creative comms role public speaking right <laughs> so the the Public speaking is, so I've done it a lot, right? And I think people, I've, I've had people say nice things and say, oh, like you speak well and you're, you're good at it. The, no, the, the first why I'm actually asking is because yes, I have seen your journey. You know, you have a TED talk and you've talked a lot about how you build the skill set. But from a personal experience, I have seen you present as well. So at the EU Startup Summit in Barcelona, that's where we first met. And I remember just feeling, you know, like, oh my God, this guy has a really solid presence. You know, he's talking about stories. He's talking about a brand, uh, which I did not, I knew about it, but I couldn't really connect to it as well as I did only because of the presentation that I heard in that conference. So I think it really, that's why I really want to talk about, you know, how did that come around for you? Of course, everybody has their own journey and their own fears, but yeah, how did you tackle that for yourself? So the, the first thing I want to say is I get nervous before I speak right like which i think is an important important thing to say like and the bigger the crowd the more important the more nervous i get i'm i'm like you might not be able to see it but i do the nervous energy is a good thing right. like learn to love it and accept it it means that you care and it means that you want to 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 do a good job don't run away from it people run like oh it's so scary i don't want to do it if i just go hide over in there in the corner i'll be fine yeah. no like use the the nervous energy harness mm -hmm. it work out what it is you're scared of for me, the thing that I was scared of was forgetting what I wanted to say, right? Mm -hmm. Like I actually kind of sat there and said like, what is it? Okay, I'm scared that I'll forget it. And then I'll be like, uh, uh. that's what I'm, so what I, what I do to counteract that is I practice, 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 practice. And I memorize it like, you know, like a, like a theater kid mm -hmm. learning, learning their lines. Um, however, like you do need a little bit of improvisation skills. <laughs> I have to confess, I got mine in a kind of weird place. Mm -hmm. Like I went out to I went out to South Korea when I was 22 uh, to travel the world. Uh, I was teaching English. Uh, I learned from basically spending seven hours a day teaching kids of the age of between eight and 15 uh, a second language mm -hmm. that they didn't want to learn because their parents told them they had to. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, if you can control 15 kids like that, you can like a thousand adults is no problem. Like it's, it's, it's no problem. So like, I, like I got a little bit of an education, like you just like, cause you're doing it every day, you kind of learn like, and you make so many mistakes, but it's fine. Like you can, you can, you know, make mistakes in that environment. Things that could work for you because you can't just go teach English in South Korea, perhaps. Like if you can do it, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, but things that could work for you, like improv classes, like it's a bit well, cheesy a really sometimes. That's actually a really good one. People, like if you like that kind of, I would do it. There's great improv groups. Other places. The other one is something like Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. Like Toast, Toastmasters is, is incredible because of the feedback they give you. 
right? right? It's people just giving you honest feedback. So what that does is give you the space to, to mess up, right? So uh, find find your, your 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 safe place to practice and mess up. You, if you don't want to do either of those things, like I I always practice all of my kind of big public speaking. I always practice with my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, she's the harshest critic in the world. She thinks pretty right. much everything I do is rubbish. Um, <laughs> so if I can get her to a point where she's like, David. she's keeping you grounded. <laughs> she's just mean spirited i think but like if I, if I can get her to the point where she's like it's not unfunny then we're fine oh man but yeah i think it's really good advice though you know trying toastmasters putting yourself more out there uh because i see now there's more focus on uh, you know a lot of people that i've spoken to already during the series a lot of people have mentioned you know like try to put yourself out there you know like you mentioned earlier like just do it try it for yourself and then figure things out um so like what would your advice be again coming down to my last question for people who are still figuring their shit out <laughs> uh just from someone who has you know sort of um, a professional background, you do have different skill set, different hobbies, different passions that you pursue. Uh, you've tried different things. And again, you know, working in progress, learning in progress. So what would you have to say to people who are still deciding what to even start uh, trying? I'd say that the first thing is, if you don't have a big, great big grand master plan, don't worry. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I've never had one. Yeah. Um, and if you ask me now what I'm doing in six months time, I couldn't tell you really. Yeah. I don't like making plans more than a, than a month in advance, not because people who have those great big plans or who people who are, I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm a little envious of those people, honestly, mm -hmm. but just because you don't have it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a problem. There's a fantastic talk that you can see on YouTube by the comedian slash musician, Tim Minchin. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's a university opening address, you know, one of those things where they, you know, address the class of whatever and they mm -hmm. talk, and he he talks about he's a similar person, never had a great big grand, grand plan, but he talks about the aggressive pursuit of short term goals yep. in, in, in which he's like, I do stuff and I enjoy it. And like, it's going to help me provide for my family or whatever. So I do it really hard mm -hmm. while I'm doing it. Like I do it super aggressively and put my all into mm -hmm. it and see where it takes me. Right. But like he's, he's never been like, you know, I'm going to write a musical by this age. I'm going to have a tour at this stage and I'm going to like have this many downloads. And like, he's, mm -hmm. he's not that he just like does it to the best of his ability. So I would just say like, do stuff and like do it really hard and do it with passion and if you fail at least you learn and you can like do something else and and take what you've learned from it but like doing nothing you learn nothing true wow cool thank you david <laughs> short on time but we got it through oh man it's such a pleasure talking to you it's such a pleasure honestly always so, always a pleasure talking to you as well thank you so um much. Best of luck. And when Thanks. this podcast makes me uh, super famous, um, I'll send you some royalties. <laughs> sure. Awesome. Thanks for taking out your time. <laughs> Thanks again, man. Bye. Well, that was it for this episode. Stay tuned for more episodes on our Spotify, Investing at 25. You can also reach out to us on LinkedIn as well as YouTube. Let me know if you want me to cover something else or any topics or comments that you have. I would love to hear your feedback.